Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode 40. Holy crap, 40. All right, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you're a longtime listener, you know I love you. Thank you for listening. Here's our drill. Don't take notes. I've taken all your notes. Go to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. While you're there, check out my beautiful food and product photography. It's what I do to pay my bills. Hit me up. You need photos. I'm your gal. If you've got questions for the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, if you need culinary sleuthing of any kind, shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And of course, tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at Let's Go on a Food Adventure. All right, you guys, let's do this. Let's go on a food adventure. So how's everyone doing? How's everyone feeling? Uh, it's fall. It's Monday while I'm recording this intro. And I am ready for the week. I feel like this week is filled with opportunity. Whenever I have like a day where I don't think I've ever had a day where I'm not super busy, but if I have a day where it's like I don't have every moment action packed, then I like to think of it as not in like easy day or a light day. I think of it as a day filled with opportunity because that's who I am. So today is a day that is, this whole week is a week that is filled with opportunity. I do have three photo shoots and among other things, but you know, hey, still filled with opportunity. Um, this food, so okay. A food adventure to me, it can be anything, right? As I've mentioned many, 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 many times over on this podcast. It can be, I'm sorry if I sound raspy, my allergies are killing me right now. It can be anything from like going to a new grocery store, maybe an international market you've never been to, to going to Bali, like in anywhere in between. Maybe it's picking a restaurant that you have never tried before, but you're like, I've always wanted to know what Indonesian food is. Well, there you go. That's a food adventure. So today's guest is, and the food adventure we're going to go on is slightly different, but it means a lot to me as a creative in the industry. So one of the things that I think as a food, in the food industry, like in the food photography industry, There's so many different roles that a lot of people play, whether it be directing a shoot, being the photographer on the shoot. Sometimes the photographer wears many different hats during the shoot, whether it be you're also the food stylist, you're also the person that coordinates and project manages the entire shoot. You're also, you know, like you might even be your own assistant on some shoots. And if you're lucky enough and the shoot's large enough and the budget's big enough, then you have other people who are handling the art direction, handling the food styling, handling possibly the project management of the models, the craft service, like everything else that goes into it. And there's not necessarily the best place for all of us in this niche part of the world, let's just call it, in the industry to kind of network. I mean, there's LinkedIn, there's 
Instagram and Facebook groups and a handful of other creative groups. But my guest today is kind of looking to change that, which makes it pretty cool. So I think we need to jump into this interview. All right, my guest today. Oh my God, she's so much fun. Okay, she is a very versatile food creative that's based in LA, but originally from Poland. Yes, you heard that correct, Poland. She wears and has worn many hats in this industry, from being a creative director to a really well-renowned food stylist and photographer. She works with global and international brands and most recently launched a new site called Foodie, P-H-O-O-D-E, for food creatives like me and possibly like you. So please welcome to the podcast, Marta Fowley from Food Polka and Foodie. Hi, Marta. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Elizabeth? I'm so good. It's so good to hear your voice and see your face. I We have become fast friends over the last few months, and um, I just love everything about you and what you're doing. Well, thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> and thank you for inviting me to this to this podcast and interviewing me. I don't know if I can tell you all about the Polish food you want to all about, but I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So originally you are from a little country called Poland and you came. Did you just say, did you just say a little country? Yeah. A little country called Poland. Well, I'm being sarcastic. I know. It's, it's a really large country. countries in Europe, but it's, I, it is, yeah. it is. And like you guys, Poland is not necessarily, the, the, the thing with Poland is it's, you know, kind of sandwiched between a lot of other countries that tend to get a lot more that are a little more splashy, dare we say, in the culinary scene than Poland is known for, right? Like, I don't want to knock Polish food. I absolutely love a comforting pierogi, any kind. I've I've had three different kinds in my life, and I like them all um, equally. But, you know, it's not as well known for food as, say, some of the surrounding countries around it. Am Am I correct in kind of saying that? Not to knock Poland. But you guys are known I mean, for other things. We have a lot of these countries around us, they have very similar things. Like I feel like German food is very similar to Polish. A lot of yeah. potatoes, meat, and pork. Yep. The same with Eastern European countries like Russia and Latvia. It's they, all these countries have very similar diet and even Czech Republic, very similar. I think the farther south you go, the more diverse it is. But I would say even Scandinavia doesn't really differ with You're the right. diet. Actually, our diet is much more diverse than, than theirs. And we have more, we have more produce. I mean, we are more soft. Yeah, that's a good point. We have a lot, and we have a lot of like cured meats and sausages. So we are pretty famous for that. And for, for vodka as well. Who doesn't like Polish vodka? I mean, come yeah. on now. The Russians <laughs> have nothing on the Polish when it comes to vodka. Let, I mean, come, let's call that. I think Poland is better vodka than Russia. No offense, Russia, but yeah, there's a lot. It. There is a lot of Polish vodka. I actually went to vodka museum last time I visited, and it was pretty ex- interesting experience because I, I can't honestly I don't drink vodka, mm-hmm. and I get a lot of vodka as a present being Polish here. Yeah. And I don't drink, <laughs> and I don't see, and I don't taste the difference between vodka. To me, all, they all taste the same. I I I rather drink wine or craft beer or like bourbon things like that. Oh, that totally. Totally. Yeah. My dad, he is from, um, Hungary and from Budapest originally. And he left in 56, 
uh, during the revolution. And so, you know, I have some ties to, to Eastern Europe myself. I'm actually a Hungarian citizen, so I get it. Hung- the food in Hungary is different though than the food in other parts um, of Eastern Europe, for sure, I think. But I don't, you know, I, I haven't- It's a little bit more Southern influence. Yeah. Yeah, there's more stews and things like that, but it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah no, totally. I have friends there. Oh, I have to go. Do you, is there certain foods from Poland or dishes that you really miss? No, because if I miss them, I make them, but I don't really crave, I, I don't really crave, crave Polish food that much, to be honest. Well, do yeah, I do actually. I like Polish soups. They are completely different than any soups in the world. And they, they, a lot of times are based on fermented ingredients. So we have sauerkraut soup. We have a pickle soup. We have oh, a really. Salad- sourdough bread soup we have a our barsh is made with the with the sour beet starter so a lot of the soups are really good and those are things that i'm craving very unique very unique flavors very sophisticated flavors yeah but there's Mm. a lot of dishes that are kind of like polish around here in the united states too and there is a lot of polish food around or, Mm. or polish inspired food so Mm. I, I love that. So why, why so many fermented things in soups? I've never seen a fermented soup, I guess, in my, I, I've never even I guess heard the of main, that. So the main ingredients. Yeah. The, I guess the main ingredients are, are, are fermented, you know, but before we have refrigeration and people up North, they have to somehow preserve mm-hmm. whatever was growing in the summer so they could survive the winter. Mm-hmm. And fermentation was one of the forms of preserving food right yeah that makes sense. like making making jars of you know i don't know jam or something like that like the food the vegetables are not gonna last without refrigeration so that i guess that came out of that tradition and and the soups are probably somehow result of that not yeah, sure. I, I never really researched that, but I—that's what I would suspect. But they yeah, are really—that's cool. fascinating. So you guys also must have great digestion because fermented fermented foods is really good for your gut health. So that's great. Good for I guess you we guys. used to—we probably used to have better digestion, but <laughs> we have a lot of processed foods too, just like the whole world. So. I know the whole world. Uh, yeah, processed yeah. foods. I just would never have thought to put sauerkraut in soup. I'm not gonna lie. So that's really interesting. And like the sourdough soup. I, I kind of understand because I've had other versions of bread soup before, like in Tuscany, they have a ribiola, uh, ribolita, which is a Tuscan bread soup. And I can understand how sourdough in that would be yummy because it would have this like other dimension of flavor and zip. So I just, I'm, fa- I'm going to do a little deep dive this fall and make some fermented soups. That sounds great. I actually have that on my blog because I have a blog about Polish food. Oh, cool. What's your blog? I didn't know that. We are learning so much about one another. Foodpoka.com. Yeah, this is my portfolio website. Okay. And styling. And part of the website is my blog. And I used to write about Polish food for Americans. So there is a lot of my personal stories related to food Mm -hmm. and Polish recipes and my personal memories of them from my childhood and times when I was growing up. So you may find it interesting. Some of the stories are quite popular. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I mean, I love the name of foodpolka.com. I think that's, I, I can't believe polka, it polka, that's adorable. Not a dance. Polka is a Polish word for female, Polish female. Oh, 
It's really? not for men. Yes, so Polak is for male and polka is for female. So then what about the music, polka? That's Czech. It's from Czech Republic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was... <laughs> oh, I'm so red in the face right now. I thought <laughs> polka music came from Poland. No. no. Oh, am I the first person that's ever said that <laughs> to you? No, a lot of okay, people good. think that. Okay, good. Okay, few. So um, we have to talk about what you're doing now. I mean, you just kind of touched on the fact that like you have been in the photography industry in one way or another for a long time, right? Like yes. you, you were a food stylist and, um, and you've done many other jobs in the industry. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, so actually this all started from me blogging. I mean, I, I work with the creative food industry and the advertising agencies we're designing props for movie sets and things like that, a lot of food related. But then I somehow, every time I would go to Europe, things, people in Europe would annoy me talking bad things about American food, you know, because, because all they knew was McDonald's. And I'm like, you guys are out of your mind. Like you don't know how good American food is and how much culture it is. So I started writing, blogging Polish on American food and recipes and cultures and things which is actually really popular in Poland, you know, like wow. I, I educate people on like barbecue sauces and just things that are very American. Yeah. So, but then people here get mad and that's how I really started photographing food. And then when I started that blog, so people here would like, why, why can't I read? Like, why don't you do that in Paul in English? So I started, <laughs> but then I like was thinking like Americans are not going to read no. about American food they because they have all, all the resources here but maybe I should write start writing about Polish food on the other hand so I started doing that and photographing and I don't know somehow these two blogs landed me the first job I got hired by a food magazine in Poland the editor hired me I started writing articles and and basically providing photography for them and I think I did like I don't know like five or six issues with them wow and somehow, somehow just, I kind of like started liking it and I started looking more and I started getting more into production work, you know, in video production, I live in LA. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of that and photographing, getting more clients, more serious clients, you know, work on more serious projects. I started learning skills as a food professional food stylist, mm -hmm. commercial food stylist, not just like the social media food stylist, things that, you know, things all the tricks of the trade and studying all the subjects. And I always been into photography. I work as a photographer for the music magazine before, mm -hmm. but photography is a different beast. So I had to like yeah. learn a lot too. And I like that apparently I was like natural too. Wow. So yeah, it was just like a, it was like a progression over more than 10 years. And yeah. How and many, so pairs, how many <laughs> pairs of tweezers do you own? Let's, let's, in the food styling oh, yeah. world i know probably like, <laughs> probably like seven or eight <laughs> what are what are some of your favorite like professional food styling tricks that uh us food photographers might not know how to do i don't know like that you can melt head like you can melt things with the heat gun for construction heat gun, you can melt cheeses on set, right? Mm -hmm. Take them to your liking. There is a lot of different things. I don't know. I can't think about it. 
Yeah, think, think about, about it. I'd love, we can have, include a couple on show, in the show notes. What about like really being creative on set? Because sometimes you don't even know what's going to be thrown at you. And you might deal with something complicated that you didn't even think about. So it's about what I like about food styling is like being creative and thinking on my feet. You mm-hmm. have to be very industrious. You have to be creative. You have to mm-hmm. understand food as a creative plastic object. Yeah, you see it differently than the rest of us probably see food in a way. Well, okay, here's a better question. What are like the five things in your food styling kit that you bring to a set that you cannot live without? Let me think that tweezers, that's one. Yeah. You need the trays for for organizing things, like plastic cafeteria style trays. Mm-hmm. You need a lot of like chemicals like glycerin for touch-ups and keeping things fresh. That I would call. Yeah, I agree. Then, and you can mix the glycerin and water together to make those like perfect water droplets that'll adhere to the surface and not slide off. Like, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, it's usually 50-50, but it depends mm-hmm. what look the brand wants. Mm-hmm. And then, and then. You, you need like alcohol for wiping things and keeping things clean without any smudges or, mm-hmm. you know, like greasy things. You need toothpicks for connecting things. There's a lot of little things. Mm-hmm. Wires. It's basically like a toolkit. <laughs> no, really? In a construction like a, like a kit slash toolkit yeah. slash yeah. artist kit. It's like when you are a food stylist, you have three favorite stores or four. You have a art supply store. You have a Home Depot. Yeah. You have a you have a ninety nine cent store. Yeah. A grocery store. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And so, from food styling, from photography, writing, all of these things, you kind of are transitioning or have, I mean, God, you, you, I don't know when you sleep, I'll be honest with you, but you started a whole new site called foodie P H O O D E. And where did that come from? Well, it actually came out of my experience and frustration with the market and things Mm. that the market was missing. But, you know, I started working with food industry and creative work before the whole social media explosion. Mm-hmm. So I am kind of like almost old timer nowadays. And then all the thing exploded and the market started kind of getting watered down. The rates started getting downgraded. The project, the quality of the project before people were like really professional and they knew what they're doing. Once the whole social media started, the market really changed. You know, the influencer became stylist. And, and while this is great and there is a lot of self-taught people, there is a lot of problems because of that. So I decided that somebody needs to do something about it and sort this sort these problems out. Because I got frustrated from clients contacting me and wanting this, this, and this, and this, and maybe include the model and stuff, but the budget is like $400. Oh, and, I know. I oh, know. And I understand I, what, what goes into this. So Yeah, I agree. And I think part of that too is the way that people consume media now is so different than even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when you'd look at a photo it wouldn't be literally scrolling through photos every few seconds on your phone. You would look at it on a web page or an advert in a, you know, an actual magazine. And it, it just, the longevity of it was there versus now we consume imagery like 
we breathe air even more so sometimes than we even take a breath. You know what I mean? So because of that, everybody's in a hamster wheel. So the need for content and the ways of getting content are being reinvented. So, you know, now, now brands are not even really hiring professionals often. They hire influencers that create pretty good content. There is a lot of really high profile influencers, you know, and so there's a lot of different professions that go into creating food related content. Mm -hmm. And I work with a lot of different projects. I work with like a start food startups i work with high-end ad agencies i work with magazines with publishers i work with media companies i work with celebrity magazines i work with celebrity content mm-hmm. a lot of different forms uh, so i knew more about the market than probably average person yeah. and i decided to put all these pla- things in my platform so anybody that does things creatively with food for brands and services food related mm-hmm can 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 be on the platform and the platform is meant for networking for being able to show off the portfolio and and also to be able to to be fined because mm-hmm. it's like a targeted search engine and it's built specifically for the industry of food mm-hmm. of foods of, of food and all the creative needs that the brands need for advertising branding product development i also including people that work on brands development like because every brand they don't develop the products out of nowhere there's a research there oh, are yeah. people that are working on creating flavors textures of food so there there is a lot of creative work that goes into that so people like that are also on the platform people that write about food not just for magazines but copywriters and anybody that does anything creative work that is used for advertising mm-hmm. branding recipe mm-hmm. development, product development, content creation, anything like that. And even like designing interiors for store, for stores and, and places and for brands, for restaurants, anybody like that can, can join fully and it's all designed for them. Yeah. It's really interesting. I'm on it and a user and um, a writer for you. And I, I view it as a very, very specific version almost of like LinkedIn in a way where it, there's a way for us all to connect and network and show off our work and our profiles and get people who are like us. Cause on LinkedIn, we kind of get sometimes and on other platforms, you get kind of lost in the mix of the algorithm where this, the algorithm is working for you because this is exactly what it's meant. You're meant to be on this platform because of our, what we do in the industry. It's like it's, I call this community of common interest. There is a common interest. Mm. So, I mean, I'm just starting, this is a huge project and it requires a lot of more resources, but the idea is there. And a lot of people from different branches of food industries and creative industries are very excited and interested because it's, it's like, like you said, it's targeted. So, mm-hmm. so it's not random or generic, like linking where you have everybody, but not really anybody. Right. That you want. And then if you want to find somebody specific, you have to hire a recruiter to look for you because you it's can like a needle in a really narrow down your search and yeah. fix for specific things. So yeah, for sure. So that's a good segue into as a creative, like myself, how do you feel that someone like me as a food photographer can get hired by using your site? Well, first of all, it's about creating your profile and positioning yourself where you want. I, The way I designed it, I wanted to people being able to identify their strengths. So there are categories 
that allow people to define their style. Because I think that's what most people don't understand. Most people are just copycatting things. But mm -hmm. I think the people that really get hired are people that do something creative and all of a sudden the trends become mainstream, you know? Like if you see all the things that started on social media were started by some famous photographer. You know, I, I, I know all these people. Like I can tell you like where the lighting style comes from. So when you join footy, you can define your style mm -hmm. and you can build your portfolio and showing these projects. And they all they are searchable and shareable across any social media that is convenient for looking for clients. So this is one, so this is one aspect. You can share those projects, you can show them off with all the categories. And when you share them, it shows your name, it's attached to your mm -hmm. skill that was used for those projects. And it's easier for people to really, to really identify who created this project. Because when you share from other things, they're not, they're not giving you any categories. When you share things from Facebook, like they, it doesn't say anything about who you are, where you are from. So footy is, is, is generally good if you want to find something very, very specific. And that's why I encourage people to, when they create profiles, to use very specific things to mm -hmm. learn how to identify themselves as a creative. Mm -hmm. So if you like, if you are good in macro photography, you should use that because there is not that many good people in macro photography, macro food photography. If you are brilliant lifestyle, like, you know, emphasize it. And mm -hmm. then people, people specifically go to website and they can search for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, I think that's more, great. The more, the more, the more specific you are on what you're doing, the better chances you're going to be discovered. So that's mm -hmm. once. And the, the other thing is like being part of this community, you know, when people come there and they look, I, I just had a lady from New York. She was, she already hired like three people for her oh, website. Wow. She, she, she owns like a catering company and she needed for somebody that would create content for her social media. Then the, so she hired somebody of foodie. Then she hired somebody created images for her website. And then she hired somebody to, to write something for her. That's her great. Blog. So think about it. She, otherwise she would have to go Google and probably find a lot of people that, that you know, know what to do. Mm -hmm. And just because she went to foodie, she was able to find all this professional skills when it comes to food in one place. Mm -hmm. So, so definitely you're saving people time and energy and stress and you're creating an environment that is supportive of what we do as creatives. And I applaud you for that because you, my friend have really doubled down on making this work and being successful. And it really is working. Well, like I said, it's just starting and like I'm, 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 my, my vision is much, much broader. There's mm -hmm. a lot of more money, which I'm looking right now, but it's, it's definitely people are very excited because that was my concern. Also, the thing is that the platform attracts very high end creatives that normally would not want to be with bloggers or influencer or some lower end photographers, but they are, you know, the website already attracted a lot of high end, super high-end TV commercial directors from all around the world, as, long, as well as the people that just like, to, like food and foodies. So the community is building mm -hmm. and, and the bigger the community, the bigger really the purpose and the better chances that it's just gonna work the way I'm assuming, you know? I want oh, this to yeah. be also like a, a little bit like social media too, where people can also look at the other ideas, get inspired. Like I actually got hired by the client 
the other day to shoot cookies. And I remember that somebody who joined Foodie had really brilliant projects. It was a lot of like micro shots of cookies, mm. showing mm. textures and stuff. And I used that to show to my client, like I linked it. I oh, it's great. As a reference, because they told me they they looking to show the sizzle and these pictures were perfect. So that was something for them to visualize. So you can use that as a resource too, if you want to find something and show right. your client, like find some kind of reference, that's a good thing. You don't have to, you know. Spend you hours use, on Pinterest. You can use that for like <laughs> boards and things like that too. That's great. That's, and I, you know, as somebody who's in the industry myself and I'm doing mood boards and shot lists, constantly that that's a great resource and something that I am taking advantage of and will take advantage of in the future. I know you are looking for investors to take foodie to the next level. How can the community support foodie and help it be very successful? Because I know it will be. Well, first of all, you can, if somebody's interested in food, they should join it. That's, you know, the bigger the network, the better. And if you happen to know anybody that has a lot of money, <laughs> and wants to invest in it just yeah. send it my way okay and great. <laughs> I, I will be i will be glad to talk about the idea and my vision for it and mm-hmm. also people i'm looking for people that you know want to test creative directors agencies anybody that wants to be involved in the process of helping me because i don't want this to be designed uh, like large social media for addicting people and, mm-hmm. and putting them in a hamster wheel. This is a tool. I think about it more like a QuickBooks rather mm. than Facebook. It's, it's, it's got to be a tool for industry people. If this thing goes well, then, then I'm going to build a lot of useful useful features that people can utilize and, and use to, adv- to advance their careers. There, there's so many options I can, I can really put into work once I get the proper funding, but, but basically it boils down to building community and the network with people that are, would be interested in supporting that financially. Really. I love that. I totally love that. So we have a couple of listener questions. Do you want to dive into them? Sure. All right. Liz from Instagram writes as a professional photographer, how often should I post new work on foodie to get noticed? Well, this is not like, like I said, it's not like a hamster wheel social media. So it's up to you. You know, there is not like a ton of work, like on Instagram. It's, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta be noticed. You're gonna be noticed no matter what, if people are scrolling through the feed. But I, I would not say right now, there is no really such a thing. How many times you post? It's just, you just post. Mm-hmm. And what right now is just, it's more intimate network than Instagram. So I feel like, if somebody's looking, like I said, it's more important than the frequency. The most important is the quality, how you post it, how you choose your categories. That that is something that is different from social media. That you that you properly tag yourself and identify yourself from all the categories using all the categories that I build into that, and that's what makes the difference. So, like, we need to get rid of this mentality from social media. How often? Mm. It's more about how you do it, because that's how you get noticed. The, the people that are looking for clients are not looking for how often they're looking for specific things. If you capture the eye and they, they search for something using the filters and you properly identify that, then, then you're going to be the winner. If you don't do that, if you're just lazy and you're going to skip all the categories and filters, then you're not going to be discovered. So it's more about 
quality you put into building your portfolio projects rather than how often you do that. I love that. So it's quality, not quantity, and really be thoughtful with what you're selecting. Yeah, because that's the cool thing about foodie. I've posted many or a handful, I shouldn't say many, but a handful of projects. And when you do, there's tons of categories and subcategories and you really do, you know, it's not just like Instagram copying, pasting some hashtags in the the field and then just posting the picture. You really need to be thoughtful about what you're selecting. And so I do, it, it takes a little more time to post something, but knowing that the time I'm taking is actually the way people are going to find me. It's not based on a, a hashtag algorithm. Well, you're not going to be fine by the hashtag on Instagram because for example, if you shot bread or cookies and you're mm-hmm. gonna search by hashtag cookies on Instagram, you're gonna have millions of cookies of pictures of cookies yeah. created by people that are not photographers or anybody. I know. Those are just people that bake cookies. And, and then foodies, do <laughs> hashtag cookie. Yeah. So so it's it's the whole concept is just completely different. And that's something people need to start understanding that mm-hmm. this social media platforms are not really any useful tools. They are meant for people to get addicted and throw into the wheel. And they are basically a, basically like a, you know, consumer and the, these platforms are not really doing them any favor. It used to be easier to use them to marketing. And when you have your follower base, you may be able to show your work, but still there is a lot of photographers that like I never even heard about it. And I've been on Instagram and I just discovered by chance, you know, they, they their algorithm matches you with certain people, but it's still very random. And it's like mm-hmm. here you can look by everything specifically, by location, by budget, by the by the I mean by the rates, mm-hmm. by, by location. So you can really narrow down. So it's important to fill out all these details. And that's that's what makes it the unique tool. It's it's not just the hamster wheel social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I love the site. Um, Josh in California writes, maybe it's me, but when I post my work on sites, I feel like it never gets the attention I wish it would. Josh, we we're just talking about this. What photos do you think are the best types to post on this site? But I think you just answered that one yeah. um, pretty well. I'm not going to lie. I mean, obviously you need to be able, like I, I'm as a creative director, I don't like when people think we need to create this style, this dark food photography, this and that. And that's what I don't like about all these groups on Instagram or Facebook because they misguide people of what is needed. Mm-hmm. Like people don't think, they think that this is what they should, but that's not really. Because clients are looking for, for really talented people and, and looking at the things differently. So it's really important to really, to be able to define yourself and in the process, like, okay, you like dark photography, but you know, when you f- create project on foodie, make sure that you use that type dark photography so you will be fine if this mm-hmm. is your strength. If you are more into light, lighter photography, then make sure you use that tag. If you are really into baked goods or like something that is related to the diet, make sure that you use all the tags that define your projects. You know, just because you put banana, banana padding don't put the tag banana because there is no banana in the picture. So like be relevant, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, the banana, it's a padding is a dessert. It's not a banana. So people need to think more specifically about what they do because the banana brand, the banana padding, the brand that is making padding is not going to look for banana. They're going to make, look for somebody that is making like, is 
photographing desserts and things yeah. like that. And people are just like really too literal, literal. Like it's all about really thinking in terms of like how client will look for something. And how does a client look for something? So if, if you were a client looking through the portfolio, how, how would you look through it? Well, it depends what the project I'm looking for. Like, let's say, like I'm I, like, the- let's say it's cup, a chop, you, there's chocolate cup, uh, cupcakes. Let's say you cop, is that a good would, one? Then I would look for somebody, depend again, what I would want. Like, do I like the darker? Mm. Like depend if some a lot of clients are coming with the vision specific vision they're looking for somebody that takes good photos in certain styles so yeah if I was a client I would use the filter like I would say like I want cupcakes in hard lighting hard light so I would choose the tag hard hard light photography and then I would say uh, it's more like an editorial style photography then I would take the editorial style because advertising style photography is completely different. Yeah. Then I would choose the food tag called cupcake, or I mean, there's no food tag for that, but I would choose the tag desserts and maybe baked goods. And then I would go for different things that I'm looking. You know, I would just search through the through the categories in the filters. It's like shopping for shoes. When you are shopping at the store, you are not shopping for size eleven if you have size five. It's exactly the same process. You need yeah. to be specific. So that's how it food is built. You can look for something. If you are looking for somebody to shoot frozen, frozen products, you're not gonna look for somebody that bakes cookies. You're gonna look for stylists that already style frozen products because it's a very difficult category to style. Somebody that styles ice cream, those are very rare, rare specialties. So you're gonna look on the foodie for stylists that basically specialize in it. And the way this site is built, it allows you that. So all the filters are built. People need to understand how the clients are looking. And maybe I should write more articles about it on the blog because obviously the people are not educated. They just they just thought you need to do this. You need to have a on the website dark dark photography this and that. But clients are looking for specific think about the like what they're selling in, in terms of what they're selling, the style they're looking, mm-hmm. and all these things they have their names in professional world. There's certain terms in creative direction when you work with brands through the ad agencies. There is a lot of jargon and, you know, people should make more attempt to learn that. So I, I encourage people to browse through the stacks because they have very specific to the industry logic. Yeah. And also, like you were just saying, try to step back, you know, as somebody who is a food photographer, it's hard sometimes to step back from the shot and look at more of the stylistic elements, not just what is actually being shot too, in a, in a way, because we get so attached to what we're shooting that you almost forget to then tag that it's light and airy or that it's hard lighting, or, you know, I go through the tags and there's only so many you can, you can tag too, um, in each category. So sometimes I want to tag. Exactly. That's why it is because people just abuse it and they don't understand what we're doing. So it's true. It's really, you know, I have a little, little information day. Why is it important? Because people don't really understand it. Like I have a, you know, I, I just, I just sub hire photographer for a project that he wanted to like me sign the contract, but like he's, I don't know where people get all these contracts from, but the clause was that like the image, the photographer chooses images according to his creative 
discretion, which is a taboo. Like, like when you work with clients, the client is the one that chooses the images they like, not the photographer. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I would never say I'm choosing the images. So it's, it's like people really don't know how this works. And, and when you go to foodie, it's all like that. That's something they need to think it's, it's there for purpose because that's how the industry works. So if they want to really get better clients, they better start using the categories in more specific way and put a little thoughts in what they're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it'd be great if you wrote a blog post about it. Um, I know I would read it. And I think a lot of other people would read it and then maybe the the site would get utilized even more to everyone's advantage. Well, that's, you know? why, that's why I'm getting this funding because I don't, I just don't have a time yeah. in the day to, to do I know. I know, I know. I, we can collaborate on that. Put it on the to-do list. <laughs> Marta, you and I, girl, we're going to take over the world. All right. Maurizio from Instagram writes, I live in Europe. Is foodie for professionals in the U.S. or is it worldwide? Everybody can join. I mean, technically, the website has uh, legal terms for the United States, mm-hmm. and but there is no charge, so there's not really like liability or anything. And people are from all around the world are, jo- are joining. Great. I'm sure that if the website is growing, there will be more use of terms for Europe, which I, this is my next step. The really things that only difference between us is is the privacy policies, but I, the one that we already the platform has is pretty much considering the European circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just a little bit different. So those are the things, those are the things, but yes, everybody can use it. And people from Europe are actually using it and, and looking at it. And a, a lot of people from Europe joined it from many different countries. Great. Well, Maurizio, join. Trish in, Pol- uh, in Poland, oh geez. Trish in Portland, maybe she wants to go to Poland, but Trish in Portland writes, My girlfriend's parents are from Poland. That's why I said Poland and are coming to visit us for the first time since COVID. I really want to impress them with a Polish dessert. Do you have one you recommend? Well, I would have the Polish dessert. I really like the poppy seed cake. Ooh, tell me about that. What's that? I never made it, but it's like, I love it. It's, it's like a, you know, like just like a cheesecake, but was made with poppy seeds and they, but it's really complicated to make, I guess. You have to grind it, <laughs> but maybe food processor or something uh-huh. fast would take care of that. Okay. Then you can, if you have any Polish stores, they have the, they have that, you can buy it like pre-made and it's really delicious. It has like a candied fruit when you buy that, when you buy that, uh, but it's called poppy cake, see, poppy seed cake. Okay. That's my favorite. So that's my favorite, but I don't know. If, you know, I feel like people often, like want to try actually something local. So maybe it would be better if you surprise them with something American. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Portland's got a huge food scene. So, I mean, maybe there's even a Polish bakery in Portland. One never knows, but- Yeah, the Polish star, the Polish star should have, have like this, it's usually like in a can or like in a box, kind of like a milk. And mm-hmm. they make that, they make that feeling for that so you can buy it it's it's the one from the start it's pretty damn good i but i will look for a poppy seed polish poppy seed cake recipe and i'll include it in the show notes um bob in las vegas writes i like the idea of your website a lot and as a company who likes who would hire creatives it i have to ask is it free to hire someone from the site or is there a fee there's no fee right now and and you can just contact people directly. Basically, this is a prototype of the site. So mm-hmm. if you end up hiring somebody, 
it's just it's all all you you basically do that the website doesn't charge anything it's probably gonna be some kind of fee in the future but that's pretty far future right now everything is in a beta testing phase so there is no fee and probably not gonna be for a while because we want to figure out what people want mm -hmm. and and you know give them the best options and if, even if it's gonna be a fee it's gonna be very low much lower than if somebody hired a rep photographers rep oh right it will be very modest yeah um that's great june from facebook writes i think i read you originally from poland i love pierogies do you have a good recipe for pierogies oh god i don't make pierogies. <laughs> but do you have one on your food polka website that i can link no, i to? don't i don't because i feel like it's such a cliche okay so I figure out there's a million good pierogi recipes already. Yeah, they're so good. So like, that, I like, need, I like, how can you focus on more on less on less on less like known things like the you know fermented soups and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But there's it's pretty basic, you know. I mean, seriously, I'm, you can mess it up though. I mean, they're basic, but they you, can be messed tell, up. I'm gonna tell in full disclosure that when I want to make pierogies, which I only make for Christmas, yeah, because it's like a tradition with the. This is my favorite pierogi with sauerkraut and wild mushroom. Ooh. Uh, I I don't I don't even make the dough. I just buy like the Chinese wonton wraps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I use. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like I love pierogies, but I don't make them too often. And if I do, I use that. That so sounds delicious. I'm sure there's a lot of good good recipes everywhere. Like the pierogies are really popular in the states. I love well, I love a dumpling. So. Any yeah. country with a dumpling, sign me up. And pierogies are so comforting and they, they're like a hug on your tummy. They're so good. They are, you know, I love, I love anything that is like stuffed dough. Oh yeah. And dumplings. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different types of pierogies, you know, it's, but I mean, my mom didn't like those wonton wraps. She, when she, <laughs> them, she was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you so it's sauerkraut wild mushrooms what else do you put in the filling just that basically you kind of like fried you cook the cabbage with mushrooms so it a lot of flavors and i just i don't even add that much spices maybe a little bit of marjoram mm -hmm. and black pepper and salt and that's it but because the mushroom the the dried wild mushroom mm -hmm. you know you have to you have to finally chop everything so i can give you a really good recipe for the filler for the pierogi. yes please yeah, yes, so like, I'm going to try to make them. Like if you buy like a small can of sauerkraut, you know, then just get like a handful of dried mushroom, just soak them mm -hmm. and then start boiling everything. Add like refry it in the pan using a little bit of oil. You, yeah. can, you can add a little bit of like finely chopped onion, but just a touch of it. Okay. And, and then add it a little bit marjoram and, and pepper. And make it like like nicely. I, I I like to burn it. It has more flavor, and and then that just really finely chop it and stuff mushroom with it. Do you it. mean do you mean like brown it and caramelize it? I don't think you mean burn yeah, it. something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I adore you so much. And what then did I, what did I what, say? I don't remember. You said burn it. I like to burn it. I love you. And then do you serve it with a sauce or anything like that? Usually people we eat them in with the like borscht soup, the beets, oh. or sometimes people fry it like on the oil, so you get like you know brown, mm -hmm. brown, crispy 
dumplings. Yeah. And some people put butter over it. Depends. Depends. Some people put sour cream over it. Yeah. I like them fried actually. Yeah. I mean, fried stuff is always good, right? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, That's awesome. So speaking of cooking, what are you cooking right now at home in LA? Actually, yesterday, probably really strange. I like hot soups on a hot day. So, so are. Like 96 degrees and I made like a Brussels sprout soup with chicken and <laughs> what else did you put in your Brussels sprout soup that's so interesting I never would think to put Brussels sprouts in soup I, I do because this is actually I have a story about it on my please on tell my me blog like I was I was growing up in communism and we didn't have any food and and there was no food available everything was Russian and I remember one time my mom brought this frozen mix of soup it was like vegetable soup and most of the times the mixes only had like carrots and other like root vegetables and maybe some green pea mm. but that one time this one bag had like a brussels sprout in and that was the first time i tried brussels sprout and it last for like the next 15 years oh my it's never because like like i but i love the flavor of it and i was just like craving it for all these years we didn't have you know, supply of that. Wow. So like, like sometimes I just crave for Brussels sprout soup and I just make it. So yesterday I got some Brussels sprouts and I made, made like a vegetable soup with Brussels sprouts. It's pretty good. They actually get a very sweet and like buttery texture. Ooh. Very good. That sounds I made really that good. for myself. But I mean, I made, and I made chimichurri yesterday. So quite two different things. Very different things. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy both. Um, and I too am making, I mean, I'm not making chimichurri, but I'm making, um, this polo asada with a tomatillo salsa, which has absolutely nothing to do with chimichurri. I don't even know. I guess the tomatillo salsa is green and I chimichurri love, I love is green. Those are like my favorite things. Yeah. I make tomatillo in different, I use it for different things too. I make, they're tomatillo. so pretty. I love taking pictures of tomatillos. I think tomatillos and gooseberries when they're backlit perfectly and you can see through the veininess of the husk oh my gosh I think it's just spectacularly beautiful yeah they are pretty they are pretty and they pretty them tasty too I love the yeah. tomatillo salsa yeah there's we have a lot of tomatillos here in in California yeah you do. Mexican culture that's like super popular vegetable it's like more popular yeah. than tomatoes I would say yeah I agree with you um and you have some of the best Mexican food outside of Mexico, hands down. I lived in San Diego and LA for a hot minute and I miss it terribly. So promote yourself. How can people get a hold of you? How can they find you? Well, people can find me through my website above, whether it's foodpolka, F-O-O-D-P-O-L-K-A.com or through foodie, you can contact me as well. And my email is Marta at foodie.com or marta at foodpolka.com mm-hmm. i don't know if i should give my phone number i think you know no 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 well um i and if anyone wants to get a hold of marta who uh did not write any of these things down they can email me or the the instagram or whatever we will link yeah. everything yeah, in you the can, show. yeah you can contact me with through elizabeth because we keeping in touch and yes. she's been helping with some articles and stuff so so yes uh, those are the ways to reach me. Yep. And if they have millions and millions of dollars, then we will give you Marta's phone number and then you can really reach her on the phone as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Last question. The last question I ask everyone, 
if COVID wasn't a thing, because it's pretty much not anymore, and you had all the money in the world, where are you going and what are you eating? I don't know. I probably would eat like really more good seafood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would probably eat a lot of more really good seafood. Where would you go to eat your seafood? Are you going to like... I would just go around the world to try different oh, seafood. Like wild of seafood that is clean, you know? I mean, it's hard to find one nowadays. Yeah, like, I, the best seafood I ever had in my life was in Portugal, without question. Yeah, because they really, like in Europe, they really appreciate small seafood. Like here, Americans are fixated on things that are big. Yeah, I agree. Like they, I had periwinkles for the first time there. Um I had barnacles for the first time there and both were really, really, the barnacles were really good. I was surprised. Not very pretty to look at, but very tasty. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff, you know? I mean, you'll still have like, I I would just, yeah, I would take a tour around the world and just try different types of seafood. Really, like, I would just eat anything. I'm kind of like... (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm kind of a vacuum cleaner when it comes to trying. Like, I would just probably... You know, stay, stay away maybe from car- like too much carbs or something like that. Sure. I would try a lot of different things. Like Asian food is just delicious. Oh, I know. And I'm like, really, like, I feel like Asian Asian cuisine has so many faces, so many countries and every, so many small countries and everyone has different things, you know, even Chinese cuisine. Is oh, just yeah. Different. It's so, de- it, I mean, neighborhood to neighborhood in these yeah countries it varies so differently marta this was so much fun thank you so much for coming on you are a doll and um i know i will talk to you very very soon all right sounds good thanks elizabeth for inviting me and thank you everyone everyone for listening all right i'll see you later bye Bye. marta thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week and telling us all about what you're up to and a little bit about your Polish heritage. I'm going to link all of Marta's information as well as Foodie's information in the show notes. Go to my website, Elizabeth R. Fuller for everything. While you're there, check out my photography. It's amazing. If you have questions for the podcast, hit me up. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. You guys, that's a wrap. Have a wonderful weekend. Make some yummy food together. Lead with kindness and I'll see you next week. Bye.